RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. Cathay Pacific says more than 90% of flight staff have accepted pay cuts, but the rest will be offered severance. Police turned their national security hotline live amid warnings that it will increase mistrust and discord in the SAR. And in the United States, Joe Biden closes in on victory as Donald Trump heads to court to try to save his presidency. Cathay Pacific says more than 90% of the flight attendants and pilots who were spared redundancy last month have signed their new lower paid contracts. It says those who didn't agree with the, the new terms will be offered severance packages that go beyond statutory requirements and it won't exercise its right to use their retirement funds for the payoffs. Unions had urged the airlines to give workers more time to consider the offer and to make pay cuts temporary to no avail. Hong Kong police have formally launched a hotline inviting people to report the breaches of the new national security law. Priscilla Ng has details. In posts on social media, the force invited people to send tips by email, text message or via the mainland communication app WeChat. It said the hotline was being set up by the police's National Security Department to accept non-emergency reports on such matters. Police said they wouldn't collect personal information of callers and wouldn't disclose information to third parties. News of the launch emerged last week and was condemned by pro-democracy campaigners with warnings it would spread distrust in the SAR. The Democratic Party lawmaker Lam Chik Teng said the creation of the hotline would increase political discord and put Hong Kong people off discussing their views. I think the hotline will worsen the situation because most of the Hong Kong people will think twice when they speak to each other in relation to any political topics. They will doubt whether their political stance will be reported to the national security team of the police force. The United States has called on Beijing to stop what it called its attempts to crush press freedom following the arrest of an RTHK producer, Bao Choi. Vicky Wong reports. In a brief statement, the U.S. State Department deputy spokesman Kale Brown said the U.S. was deeply concerned about the arrest and the Chinese Communist Party and their Hong Kong proxies must cease efforts to crush press freedom. Bao Choi was involved in a television program on the Yunlong mob attacks last year, which revealed police were present at the scene well ahead of the assault, but didn't intervene. She was arrested on Tuesday, accused of making a false statement to conduct a search on owners of vehicles that appear to have picked up some of the attackers. Media groups have expressed anger over the arrest of Ms Choi. The Journalists Association said it was sad and absurd that journalists conducting normal reporting duties were subject to suppression and pressure by way of legal action. Its chair, Chris Young, says the great financial pressure from dealing with legal action amounts to political suppression of reporters and media groups. If they have to face charges, they have to get, say, legal advice, and that means cost money. We hope that that won't become a trend, a very unhealthy, damaging trend for people to make use of their power and resources to suppress media organizations, particularly those that they do not agree with. 
A relative of a victim of the Lama ferry sinking in 2012 says he hopes a private prosecution will uncover the truth about the disaster that claimed 39 lives. Mr Choi expressed grief and anger over the Department of Justice's decision to close the door on further prosecutions, saying the public must also find it unbelievable. He noted that the then Chief Executive, C.Y. Leung, had said he wouldn't let the incident slide, but his promise was never fulfilled. The Democratic Party lawmaker James Toe, who's helping the family, said those involved in the inspection and construction of the vessel had yet to face legal consequences eight years after the accident. Turning to the US presidential election and the Democratic Party candidate Joe Biden says he believes he's won enough votes to secure the presidency. He stopped short of declaring victory in Tuesday's election, saying all the votes had yet to be counted. Here, the people rule. Power can't be taken or asserted. It flows from the people. And it's their will that determines who will be the president of the United States and their will alone. And now, after a long night of counting, it's clear that we're winning enough states to reach 270 electoral votes needed to win the presidency. Mr Biden said that as president he would work as hard for those who didn't vote for him as he would for those who did. Mr Trump's campaign has launched legal action in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Georgia calling for vote counting to be halted. A campaign official accused Democrats of scheming to disenfranchise Republican voters. International observers have said there's no evidence of widespread election fraud. President Trump's son, Eric, told supporters in Pennsylvania that the Democrats had left his father no choice but to send in the lawyers. We're going to win Pennsylvania, but they're trying to cheat us out of it because they know it's their only path to victory. They know it's the only path to victory. And so we came here today. We met with all our lawyers. Uh, we are going to file suit in Pennsylvania. It's a shame that we have to do that. It's the last thing that we wanted to do. It's the last thing my father wanted to do. But this is rampant corruption and it can't happen. It simply can't happen. It's not fair. This isn't democracy. The president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, insisted counting in major cities was somehow rigged. This is a concerted effort of the crooks to run the Democrat Party. And you know these big city machines are crooked. You know that. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 100 years of one-party rule leads to corruption of all kinds. Michigan's top election official described the lawsuit as frivolous and said the state would push back against attempts to spread disinformation and dispute the result. The BBC's Ben Wright said there appears to be little substance to the Trump campaign's claims. They're alleging things without evidence. That is clearly what is happening, and it feels like an attempt simply to slow down the count and disrupt it, throwing sand into the wheels in places that they are behind, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia. You know, these are the fronts at the moment for the Trump campaign. They're not so concerned about states where they're currently a nose in front. More than 99,000 coronavirus cases have been recorded in the United States in the past 24 hours, a new daily record, according to a tally by John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University. The country also reported more than 1,100 deaths. And a four-week lockdown has come into effect in England as nations across Europe attempt to slow a second wave of coronavirus infections. The restrictions include the closure of pubs, restaurants and non-essential shops, but schools will remain open. The chair of the National Police Chiefs Council, Martin Hewitt, said those breaching the restrictions would face stiff fines.
The message to those people is very clearly you are breaking the law and as importantly you are endangering people's lives. We will not allow people to flaunt the rules repeatedly or deliberately and it's those people that we're really keen to be after, the ones that are what we call the egregious breaking the law because it's, it's dangerous. The US state of Oregon has become the first to decriminalise the possession of small amounts of hard drugs, including heroin and cocaine. The law will also allow, will allow those people arrested to pay a 100 US dollar fine and attend a recovery programme, but not to go to trial or do jail time for possession. Voters in Oregon also approved legalising the therapeutic use of psychedelic mushrooms. On Tuesday, five more states legalised marijuana for adults. The Danish Prime Minister has ordered a complete cull of all mink housed in fur farms across the country. Meta Fredriksson said the decision follows the discovery that a mutated strain of the coronavirus had been transmitted from the animals to humans. Conservation groups have described the decision as an animal welfare tragedy. The BBC's Gavin Lee reports. Denmark is the world's largest producer of mink fur. In recent weeks, more than 200 farms have been forced to close after coronavirus outbreaks. But it's a mutated form of the pathogen, according to scientists, which they say has been transmitted from the animals to several farm employees and into the community. It's estimated that around 15 million mink will be killed as a result of the cull. Opposition politicians have described the move as draconian. The Prime Minister, Mita Fredriksson, defended her decision, suggesting that if the animals were not culled, the spread of the mutated strain could ruin the work of developing a vaccine. The discovery of a 9,000-year-old grave in Peru has cast doubt on traditional ideas of the division of labour among men and women in hunter-gatherer societies. Archaeologists found a young woman buried with a hunting toolkit. Here's the BBC's Will Leonardo. Prevailing wisdom holds that among our prehistoric ancestors, men hunted while women tended to gather food. But researchers who uncovered the grave high in the Peruvian Andes say their discovery shows this may not have always been the case. The young woman, buried with stone projectiles used to bring down large animals, led the US-based team to review 27 other sites with similar burial patterns. Writing in the journal Science Advances, they said the research suggested that 9,000 years ago, between 30 and 50% of hunters in this part of America were women. The team said the study supported the idea that modern gender constructs often don't reflect those of the past. Research into one of the most common gentoos say they should be regarded as four species rather than just one. Here's the BBC's Helen Briggs. Colonies of Gentoo penguins are a familiar sound and sight in Antarctica, known for their flamboyant red-orange beaks and white eye patches. According to new research, different Gentoo populations are so distinct they should be considered four separate species. And while the penguins look pretty similar to the untrained eye, they vary slightly in size and shape and can be told apart by their DNA. And in financial news, the Canadian convenience store operator Kushtard has entered the Asian market through a deal to buy the Circle K convenience store business in Hong Kong for about $2.8 billion. Convenience Retail Asia, which has run the stores here for 35 years, says it's disposing of the business after reviewing the socio-economic outlook. In a submission to the local bourse, it says recent events in the SAR spurred management to consider selling the business. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,561, that's 675 points up on the previous close. 
currency is the US dollar trading at 104.26 yen, the euro stands at 1 US dollar and 17 cents, and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 5 cents. Sport now, here's Atom Chung. We start with football in the UEFA Champions League, where Manchester United suffered a humbling defeat in Turkey. They were shocked by Istanbul Basak Sahir, who went up 2-0 within 40 minutes and went on to win 2-1. United boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer says his team cannot expect to win by the way they played. Performance wasn't good enough uh, against the team that uh, worked and ran and well, they, they hit us on the break a couple of times and scored two goals like you sometimes do in Europe when you uh, uh, don't uh, defend well enough. United remain top of Group C despite the loss. They lead RB Leipzig on goal difference after the German side came from behind to beat Paris Saint-Germain 2-1. In Group E, Chelsea cruised to a comfortable 3-0 win over Rennes, who had a player sent off late in the first half. Timo Werner was 2-for-2 two two from the penalty spot. Yeah, I think um, we do a very good uh, game today. Uh, we played very well. Um, yeah, I think both penalties were, uh, yeah, they were right. So, um, for me, um, we go with 2-0 in the half. Very good. The red card was also good for us because, um, yeah, we have one more uh, man on the pitch and we can control the game from behind. At the end, maybe we can score a bit more to uh, goals, but in the end, we win 3 nil at home and um, that's all we want. Chelsea topped the group on goal difference over Sevilla, down to 10 men against Krasnodar in their second half. Sevilla scored twice and won the match 3-2. Barcelona have won three out of three in Group G. Lino Messi scored a penalty five minutes into the game as Barca beat Dinamo Kiev 2-1. Second place Juventus won 4-1 against Veres Veros with Alvaro Morata scoring twice. Borussia Dortmund topped Group F after a 3-0 win at Club Rouge. Lazio drew 1-0 at Zenit St. Petersburg. In tennis, Rafael Nadal has recorded his 1,000th match win on the ATP Tour after victory over Feliciano Lopez at the ATP Masters in Paris. Nadal is the fourth player in history to reach the milestone. That's uh, one very negative thing about getting to the 1,000. No, that's, you, you are very old because to, to win 1,000 match, you need to be... Uh, you, need to, you need to have a very long career, but super happy, no? uh, of course. Um, be arrive to, to that number means that I did a lot of things well and during a long time. No? So very happy and thanks to the ATP, to the French Federation, uh, to everybody who, who make this recognition. Nadal will face Australia's Jordan Thompson in the last 16 tonight. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. Cathay Pacific says more than 90% of flight staff have accepted pay cuts, but the rest will be offered severance. Police turned their national security hotline live amid warnings that it will increase mistrust and discord in the SAR. And in the United States, Joe Biden closes in, closes in on victory as Donald Trump heads to court to try to save his presidency. The news from RTHK.
Welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. That's right, it's Thursday, the 5th of November. And many thanks to Phil Whelan for this morning's morning brew. We have a jam packed program for you. As you know, we are the proud broadcast partner of the Hong Kong International Literary Festival. So today, we're also going to be featuring one of their speakers. This afternoon, we'll be chatting with poet and academic Jason Lee about his work and also his involvement with the Literary Festival. Jason will be joining us uh, just after half past one. And after the two o'clock news, Sadia Osmani joins us for our regular Thursday chinwag. And today, we're talking about all things American. Uh, perhaps a more light-hearted look at some of the things that you only find in America. And after 2.30, we'll be speaking to Andrew Dembina. Andrew Dembina, actually, will be speaking to Apo Wu, who is the curator of the Hong Kong Museum of Art International Programs, about the current big Sandro Botticelli and his Times exhibition. And as usual, we want to hear from you as well. So feel free to drop us an email. Our email address is 123show at rthk.hk. That's 123show at rthk.hk. You can find us, of course, on Facebook, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3.